Once again to The Goods, a film podcast. Spooky season marches ever onward. How are you doing, Dan? Doing really well, Brian. Here we are. That's right, we're into the thick of October, and this is kind of a special episode because it's one of the rare opportunities where we have come together in person to record. I know. Very special. It only happens but once a season or so. And even more special, we watched the quote-unquote movie together. Yes, we're getting experimental again today. I think our bill of fare for this show serves as an interesting follow-up, a companion piece, if you will, to as I was moving ahead, occasionally I saw glimpses of beauty. That's right. That's the avant-garde home video documentary that I subjected Brian to for five hours a a few weeks ago, and here he subjected me to something as well. Yes, it's called The Amazing World of Ghosts, (laughs) and it's directed by a filmmaker named Wheeler Dixon. He's got kind of an interesting career. He made like six of these films in rapid succession between... 1978, 1979, and I don't know if it went much beyond that. And then the rest of his career was making experimental films, which maybe these fall into that category as well. A lot of our conversation this time around is going to be how sincere (laughs) was this filmmaking effort? Because, yeah, it's a paranormal documentary. And we're going to kind of spitball some thoughts about our experience here today watching the film. The other movies in this vein that Dixon made within this span of two years all cover this same broad thematic field of the paranormal, the mystical, the extraterrestrial. <laughs> the titles were Amazing World of Ghosts, so this was the, the freshman effort, followed by UFO Exclusive, Mysteries from the Bible, UFO Top Secret, Attack from Outer Space, and World of Mystery. So how many of these have you seen, Brian? I've seen three of them. So I have seen World of Mystery, which is maybe the freest ranging. I know that might <laughs> strike how you. How could it be more free-ranging than the one that we, when we watched? I know, there, there was a lot of uh, like Hitler's vacation footage in that one. Okay. Uh, and then I have a VHS copy, actually, of UFO Top Secret. So, yeah, I'm, physical I'm copy. It, I'm looking at it right here. That's it's a pretty cool find. I am delighted to find that when you pull the VHS out, there it's just a blank VHS. There's no sticker on it, so no way to verify. There is like a little sticky included, but not actually attached that says UFO Top Secret. So maybe that was attached at one point and just fell off, but... I, I thought that added to the the mysterious charm of this VHS tape. Yes, because these movies are what I like to call a deep cut. Something you kind of have to go far afield to find and track down to talk about. Now, where I first came across this film was on the subreddit R Obscure Media during the brief window of time when I was very 
devoted to checking Reddit and, and learning about things from reddit.com. This was a span right after I got out of college and was wandering in my life aimlessly. I have found somewhat more direction these days, <laughs> deviated somewhat from my Reddit obsession. But in this time span, I came across the Rockefeller explosion, as we've discussed before. And also this subreddit, our obscure media, where people post just what it says on the 10 weird videos that they've come across. Uh, ideally, somewhat older, something that you might have found in a VHS bin. There's a lot of satanic panic stuff, but also like select division CED promo discs that had been digitized and put up on YouTube. Old Soviet animation. Just a lot of really weird stuff that has found its way into my wheelhouse that I quite enjoy now and will subject people to when I get the opportunity. So sounds like it was a, a formative couple of years for you there. Yes. I also wanted to bring up a few other bits and pieces of context that may have steered me down this road. So when I was in elementary school, I spent a lot of time in the library and I got really into books on cryptids, so cryptozoology, the study of animals that might not exist, things like the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot. And for whatever reason, the Dewey Decimal System puts cryptozoology books at zero, 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 just the very start of the Dewey Decimal <laughs> really? System, the first shelf in the library. If you walk in and take a look, it's going to be books on this type of stuff, UFOs. Uh, that's pretty wild. So if you go in not really looking for anything, this will be your first stop. So if you were trying to read the entire Dewey Decimal System in numerical order, you would start by learning a lot about Bigfoot and shit. Exactly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so picture like eight-year-old Brian doing exactly that and, <laughs> and just kind of stopping in this section and never really leaving. <laughs> then in college at William & Mary, I was part of a club called the tribe which was the team for william and mary it's the william and mary tribe so the tribe society for paranormal research tspr and most of our meetings there were a couple times that we planned that we would like walk around colonial williamsburg with an evp recorder and stuff but most of the meetings we were just sitting in a room that we had booked and we would watch like episodes of leonard nimoy's tv show in search of a 70s, I guess you could call it a, doc a documentary series. It was kind of the early precursor to like ancient aliens. Just Leonard Nimoy pontificating on like the Amityville horror and Oak Island where the money hole is. Just anything that they could talk about kind of absentmindedly for a half hour while they show some relatively relevant footage. That's in search of. So I was aware of that show and got into it. I've got a box set. I think Dan's also got that over here. I might have slipped it away, but I saw it. It was. It said it was like eight seasons or something like that, or eight discs at least. And that's a lot of that type of content. I don't know how similar it is to what we watched today, but kudos to you if you found that something that you wanted to dig deeper into. In Search Of is a little more on theme, a little more consistent and coherent than this film that I found a little later called Amazing World of Ghosts. 
And what was posted on the subreddit that I discovered presumably sometime in 2013 was like a 10 minute long highlight reel. And it captured some of the best moments of this film that in its entirety runs about an hour and 35 minutes. And we just consumed all of those minutes, didn't yeah. we? We consumed those minutes and thankfully consumed a couple of beers too, which heightened the experience a little. Because, let me see if I have anything else to say about uh, context. Just, I think this is a field of television. I assume this was a TV movie. I haven't found explicit confirmation of that. I don't really see anybody going to the theater for this. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just have the strong sense that this was aired at some point. And I wish I was there for the broadcast. <laughs> um, but this kind of content has not left us altogether. There is still an interest in the paranormal. I'm thinking of stuff that has kind of parasitically taken over the History Channel. Series like Ancient Aliens. Bigfoot hunters that might be off the air at this point, but you've seen ghost hunter shows pop up. Yeah, I watched like two times ever one of those shows when I was like seven years old and it left an impression on me that I was like, oh, my gosh, the show cracked it. They figured it out. There's ghosts. They're real. How come we're not talking about this on the front page of The Washington Post? Here it is. And then. As I got older, I realized, okay, there's maybe at least a little bit of sensationalism going on with this exaggeration, uh, interpretation, at least. I'll say in high school, I also got into watching reruns of The X-Files, and I think it's telling that there was a revival of In Search Of that ran for one season that was hosted not by Leonard Nimoy, but by Mitch Pileggi, the guy who played Skinner. Mulder and Scully's boss on the X-Files. But I guess we got to stop dancing around it. We got to <laughs> dig into the film at hand. Amazing World of Ghosts. What I have come to refer to via shorthand as AWOG in my <laughs> communications with my closest friends. A-W-O-G. Because once you watch this movie, you find yourself bringing it up time and again. <laughs> so you really need an abbreviation. Yeah. Oh. One one downside of uh, us recording together, Brian, is that when I'm editing, I find that I'm constantly laughing over you talking. So I hope there's not too much of me laughing over you talking as we're recording here today. But uh, it, it is what it is. No, I think we'll be OK. So <laughs> there's not a lot of substance to this movie, <laughs> which is why I'm drawing parallels to as I was moving ahead. Before we say anything else about what's in this movie, what what are you feeling right now, Dan? <laughs> what what have you taken away from the experience? Well, if this had come out in the past five years, I would have said that maybe an AI wrote this because it's got the same uncanny semi-resemblance to human thought throughout its entirety. I just, I'm kind of uh, a mix between amused and bewildered and a little glazed over, I guess, at the conclusion of 90 minutes. I mean, Brian's here going to talk about the format a little bit. I will say when it started, I thought the format that we were getting was like the intro to the actual stuff. And then it just kept going and going. And I realized, okay, 
This isn't the like voiceover intro context scene setting. This is actually the thing that we're watching here. Yeah, definitely an apt description because <laughs> not just this one, but all of these six films, they all run about 90 minutes long and they're all broadly focused on paranormal topics, but using the word focused in relation to these movies is an injustice. It, it doesn't fit. <laughs> these are anything but focused because here is what they consist of. You get an hour and a half of assorted stock footage and then there's a melodramatic narrator, a guy named Sidney Paul, who is just spewing endlessly with no break what a YouTube commenter on the video that I saw refers to as restless existential jargon. <laughs> and I mean, this footage seems random. It's just cutting from shots of like waves breaking on the seashore to... <laughs> a camera tracking along beside like the Parthenon or some other ancient Greek temple. There's like whole 10 minute segments that are just, here's the aftermath of an earthquake somewhere. And like, it has nothing to do with ghosts, but we're still spending 10 minutes here, like watching people clean up rubble and the writer and the narrator are just, they're doing their absolute damnedest to try and make something ghostly and supernatural about it yeah they're trying to tie whatever is happening in the clips to the topic at hand it's like these were the six reels of film they happened to have in their warehouse when it was the day that this assignment was due to the film company and some of these scenes yeah are a real stretch <laughs> because the one that dan brought up i think is maybe the best example it's this earthquake in south america somewhere and people are just kind of walking around, poking at rubble. And in some of the shots, not even really doing anything with rubble. They're just kind of sitting around. And most of them are like smiling or just talking to each other. <laughs> like maybe this earthquake just happened. Maybe it happened a long time ago. Maybe it's like two different places that are stitched together. But you're getting the narrator explaining how these villagers are going to suffer the wrath of spirits killed in the earthquake how their days are arduous and their nights are a living terror <laughs> and man i wish i got as much enjoyment out of anything in life as this guy gets out of saying ghosts <laughs> yeah he's pretty good at it that's for sure i mean this i want you, brian i want you to say the thing you said to me earlier about this uh this narrator and just how he deserves something better yeah so i feel about the narrator of this movie, Sidney Paul, the same way I feel about the makeup artist from Max Magician, which is that I hope he eventually found a project worthy of his talents. <laughs> it's like his delivery outshines anything else in this film. I I looked up his credits on Letterboxd and alas, it would seem as if your hope did not come true because his only credits are three of these films. So... <laughs> Did he, he did do not, World of Mystery? I'm going to look it up again here. It looks like he did Amazing World of Ghosts, World of Mystery, okay, and good. Attack from Outer Space. Great. I, I watched World of Mystery. I thought it was the same guy. Yeah. So. He, he doesn't have his own picture or biography, unfortunately, on the site. But this means that supposedly multiple people were involved in putting this together. <laughs> so that's... That's kind of interesting to me. It's not just Lucas Mikas 
Why do I always call him Lucas? Jonas. Well, no, it was it Lucas, Jonas. right? Jonas, you had it right. Jonas. Okay. Yes. From from as I was walking ahead or whatever it's called. Yeah, so this is not just Jonas Mika sitting yeah. in his chair. But I don't know if that makes this better or worse. I have a just an assortment. I was taking notes. Brian gave me his like uh, refrigerator magnet to-do list sheet so I could take notes as we were watching. So it says, let it snow in big letters at the top of it. I don't know why you like, didn't lines. just use your phone. What do you normally do? <laughs> I like writing by hand when I do notes. I don't okay. know. Anyways, uh, I appreciate the... The offering anyways, because I, I could have brought my own paper. Anyways, I have some freewheeling notes here. Is it is it okay if I just <laughs> interject them? As yeah, right yeah, here? please do. Yeah. Um, so one is one of my, this, this guy. So you like the way that he said ghosts, and he's good at that. My favorite phrase of his that gets thrown in there maybe six times throughout the, the film is they'll like show something, a photo or a clip, and he'll say... This photo is widely thought to be genuine. And the way that he that just pauses for just a second and then dramatically says genuine, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, you got to trust him. <laughs> Everything he brings up, he says, this was looked at by experts. And they've <laughs> some concluded. Say, some say it could be this. I mean, this movie is basically Betteridge's Law of Headlines in feature length form, which that is a rule that is... If something in a headline is posed as the que- as a question, the answer is most likely no. And this is like, could it be that this is in fact a picture of ghosts? Well, no, it's not. It's just a picture of, uh, like, a rock or something. Like a lot of these pictures you can't even tell. It's just like a <laughs> dark blur. <laughs> could this be the supernatural speaking to us? No, you just you damaged your film before you got it turned into a photo. Are aliens really ghosts from outer space? <laughs> That's the question that gets brought up the most. <laughs> yeah. We keep going to space in this movie. <laughs> it's like it's like the transition from chapter to chapter, except instead of an actual transition, it'll be like, and here's footage from an earthquake. Also, here's outer space with literally like one sentence to the next sentence. We're talking about earthquakes and then outer space. And then it jumps to something else like, the Loch Ness Monster or something. Yeah. So the 10-minute compilation that I initially saw, the highlight reel, really captured the spirit of the film. And I was expecting there would be, like, that each bit of the reel would be expanded in the feature. But it's not really like that. It's as disjointed and unorganized in 10 minutes as it is in 90. (laughs) Like, there's a scene where he says... Now let us take a journey to Jupiter. And you think that's going to be followed up with something. But no, it's it's one shot of Jupiter. And then we get another scene that's just back on Earth again. Speaking of Jupiter, this dude is a thing for Jupiter. There is, it is just, there's one shot, but there's like three different times he brings up Jupiter. He calls it the planet of mystery. I was feeling like um, in that one Parks and Rec episode where Tom gets fascinated with a piece of abstract art and he starts talking about the shapes. And at some point, Donna jumps in and says, what is so great about those shapes? And that was me and Jupiter with with this guy here. What is so great about Jupiter? A lot of good lines from that episode. I've looked at this for five hours now. (laughs) And then he goes back to the artist and he says, shut up and make more art for me. (laughs) 
So whenever I ask if somebody can like draw something for me, whenever I try to commission artwork, that's my thought. Shut up and make more art for me. <laughs> and yeah, it's just this whole thing has a baffling style. You could call it uniform randomness because it's it just never stays with one thing. The consistent element is this guy's dramatic narration and how into it he seems. What it really makes me think of is, I don't know if you guys watched Whose Line Is It Anyway back in the day, but one of the games they would play is where one of the actors was a news reporter and he stood in front of a green screen, like with his back to the green screen and something random, some random stock footage would play behind him. And then the other actors in the group who were the only ones who could see the footage were like prompting him with questions. So he's he's doing a report like he's on the scene wherever this footage is playing and they're like posing questions to kind of give him clues about what's going on in the background. And then at the end of the game, he has to say what he thinks is happening in the footage. And that's just the sense that I get of this, that... <laughs> Maybe if not quite that, that there's just footage playing on a screen, maybe in front of Sidney Paul. And then they told him, talk about ghosts, tie it to what you're seeing. <laughs> yes. No, I, I completely felt like this was a guy, maybe or maybe not on some shrooms, who was just narrating whatever came to mind as he was uh, seeing what was being projected in front of him and trying to connect it to the supernatural and try maybe putting it. I thought where you're going with that is where I've, I've seen, I can't remember if it was whose line or something else where they always have to answer a question with another question, because this was just one question after another framed just ambiguously enough that you could make it sound sinister and otherworldly. I don't know. So, the opening shot of this movie, and I promise we won't subject you to a shot-for-shot shot <laughs> analysis, but it starts with a boy walking through the city at night. What's this boy's deal? It was like three minutes of a dopey-looking 12-year-old looking up at the sky, just walking forward. He looks a little like Ron Howard, <laughs> just like an opie kid walking along under the street lamps, and... This is how we lead into our ghost documentary. Nothing scary is happening other than I guess it's <laughs> night and the kid is alone. But the narration we get, he's talking about like what, what dark fate awaits this kid. And it has my one of my favorite lines from the movie, which is, what is it? This is what, like what's out there in the dark. What is it? Is it a ghost? Is it a creature from the realm of nightmares? What will protect him? <laughs> I just I dwell on these deliveries yeah. the the cadence that he has it's it's kind of hypnotic I watching this I almost get what you were saying about as I was moving ahead kind of putting you in a trance uh-huh yeah yeah another thing this this dude likes this narrator or I guess it's probably the writer but the narrator likes it too is he describes a lot of things as sensational many photos are sensational clips are sensational I mean, I suppose some of them could inflict some sensation on someone, but it felt like a little bit of a stretch that all of these things are indeed, quote unquote, sensational. Incredible is thrown into the mix, too. I want to make sure, Brian, we spend a little bit of time here talking about 
what's going on in the the soundtrack behind the voice. Okay, so what are we getting <laughs> in that musical background? It, it's a variety. Sometimes I think he's just narrating with nothing in the background. Then you get what I would kind of expect if you were talking about supernaturally stuff, where it's like noises that are probably I was speculating to Brian as we were watching either generated by a theremin or something similar to a theremin, like kind of your your stereotypical, maybe more alienish noise, but definitely supernatural. Yeah, I would guess a theremin was involved. I've also seen a music scene called circuit bending, which is just they they wire up circuit boards that make all this like interference and feedback. And because occasionally there will be like lightsaber clash sounds mm -hmm. interspersed with the like that. Yeah, the, the people doing the, the sound were the ones that I thought were having all the fun here, even more so than the writer and the narrator. So you got some of some of that stuff. And then you have kind of this low-key funk music that just feels like a generic narration documentary background music, like do 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 Like doesn't really have much of a tone, it's just like background music. And then for like three minutes or four minutes at a time, it'll be this real upbeat jazz number that's like pretty awesome. Like I would jam to it in my car as I was driving down the road. Type stuff. And it has, why are we listening to this music as we're talking about whether the ghosts are coming out of the Egyptian tomb? Because it's 1978, Dan. What else are you going to be listening to? This is like the Boogie Nights era. This is what would be on TV and Reed Rothschild is watching it late at night or uh, Dirk Diggler. <laughs> it's like um, every 15 seconds or so, I wanted to utter, what the hell is going on here? What the hell is he talking about? And the music just seeming to have absolutely no relationship to what was going on in the rest of the film certainly contributed to that. Yeah, it's stream of consciousness in a weird way that you can't even keep up with. And yeah, hard to recap this thing bit by bit. So I hope I'm not jumping any gun, but I, I think the crux of my feelings about this film and what really just recurs in my mind over and over is, is this a joke? How <laughs> yeah. serious is this? Is he taking the piss on any of this? Right. And I honestly, okay, I, I will say like, oh, and is the narrator in on the joke if it is a joke? Yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time believing that whoever wrote it genuinely thought all of the things that they were writing were truly capturing the supernatural aspect the thing that's less clear to me is okay so i guess i'm coming down on yes for the writer this is a joke i'm not sure if it's a joke for everyone involved though and i also don't know if it was like ever pitched as eh, we'll do a thing where it sounds like we believe everything is ghosts and we'll just half-ass it and that's what we'll make it'll be funny i don't get the sense it was that i feel like it was created to be earnestly consumed and not ironically consumed even though i don't believe for a second that the people who wrote this really believed all of that but i don't know what's your take i go back and forth it's really hard for me to tell like on one hand you can read this as a satire on the paranormal media and how popular it is you know that you could serve this up 
as though it were serious. And there's going to be people who take it completely at face value. There's a big disparity between how serious the tone is with which this is delivered and how ludicrous the things that are being said are and how it has nothing at all to do with what's being shown. There's just, we can't stress enough that there's no connection between the stock footage and the subject matter. <laughs> my favorite one, uh, or one of my favorite ones, I can't honestly say what my favorite one was, but one of my favorite ones was they had some footage of some town in Western United States that looked vaguely like old Westie. And they made the connection to ghost towns. They're like, Oh my God, this is it. We're here. Ghost towns. Boom. Ghosts. Like the definition of ghost town actually has nothing to do with the supernatural. Yeah, It just means it dried up and barely any people live yeah. there anymore. But that was all that whoever wrote this needed. And that, that was fuel enough for a whole nine minute segment. And I was like, okay, buddy, a ghost town <laughs> for me where it comes to a head most of, okay, they're having fun with us. This has got to not be real. This has got to not be, I mean, what is, what even is real when it comes to a paranormal documentary, but this is not sincere. Somebody is just having a lark. This happens when there's a shot of people playing bocce in a <laughs> yard but it's like extreme close-ups on the bocce balls. So you don't see any people. And the line from the narrator is something like, what's happening now? Mysterious orbs descending from the heavens. <laughs> it's like, what mysterious forces are at work at the country club? That was pretty good, yeah. A line that I also felt had to be satirical is when they were talking about some property with like they were showing it was kind of cool footage it was like fountains that's what i'll say is like some of this footage was actually kind of interesting and i would have appreciated an actual explanation of what we were seeing here like somebody saying hey look this is like a this was a villa in ancient italy and now it's still preserved and the fountains still work oh that's kind of neat i learned something today but instead it's like and the 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 supernatural spirits inhabit these water spraying devices. And and then they gets to it. And he's like, and recently they put this house on market and has yet to have any buyers. Another case of ghosts lowering property values. Is, like, is that something you've run into as a homeowner, Dan? <laughs> uh, I mean, I've had some things that, you know, Zillow raises or lowers my home value estimate. I haven't seen any references to ghosts as a factor for that, but that's just me. But part of me really wants these movies to be sincere. I really hope that Wheeler Dixon and Sidney Paul and the writer who's credited as Christopher Serini, I hope they were just completely serious in what they were doing and really thought it was crucial to warn the public of 1978 about the dangers that were lurking everywhere from <laughs> the amazing world of ghosts, which he does say the title of the documentary like yeah. four or five times. He, he said the thing. I always love it when they say the title in a movie. I don't care how ridiculous it is. I always want them to actually say the title. There's a shot of a guy with headphones on just holding up like a little microphone. And it's, he says, here is a researcher listening for secrets 
in the amazing world of ghosts. <laughs> and there's so much of that where it'll just be like slideshows, still <laughs> images of nothing tied to ghosts. And, and he'll set it up of, here are some miraculous photographs that incredibly show ghosts. <laughs> then the first footage we get is just a picture of Rasputin. And he says, this is the monk Rasputin. It's like, well, wait a minute, man. You said you were going to show pictures of ghosts, but this is Rasputin. And he doesn't talk about ghosts in the Rasputin part. He's just talking about he was assassinated by the palace guards. But then we do get some pictures that he at least is talking about ghosts now. But it's like there's a picture of a guy looking through a barred window. And he says, this is a ghost in a cage. <laughs> and it's a guy. It's just it's a guy. It's, it's, it's a, a human person. man. <laughs> But it, he tells us it's a ghost. And then pretty soon after, we get a picture of, like, a sheet ghost from, like, the stereotypical Charlie Brown Halloween costume. He says, this is a man impersonating a ghost. Of course, it isn't really a ghost. <laughs> but is it? Or is it? <laughs> perhaps. Then again, perhaps not. <laughs> um, a couple moments made me think of I'm sure you've seen this, Brian. The fake documentary series called Look Around You. I'm so glad you've seen Look Around You because, yes, that is the most similar thing I can compare it to that might have a slightly wider audience. For the people who have not encountered this, it was a British series that was made as a parody of like educational film strips that school kids would watch, presumably when whoever made the show was a child. Like when he was going to primary school in England, this is the stuff they were making him watch. But the scientific subjects covered are so random and weird and they're just spouting illogic. My favorite one, I've probably seen it 10 times and it only goes for five or 10 minutes is I think it was the very first episode and it's about mathematics. And the first time somebody showed it to me, they didn't give me any lead up into it being fake. And it like the first minute, it's almost like it's real. And then they're like, and what is the largest number? Let's ask some people. And it cuts to people and they say, um, 99. And A million. <laughs> In fact, it's none of these. The largest number is about 400 billion. <laughs> Though researchers speculate it could be even larger. Yeah, that that was, and that's the moment when it, it pivots from maybe just absurd but bad and cheesy all the way into okay this is a full-on parody and i kind of kept expecting the look around you moment of this movie to happen and there is like a couple of those as brian mentioned it does like a 15 second zoom in on a goose and i was like okay if we're doing this we're having a little bit of fun but um, it, it never loops all the way back around to, to parody. Look Around You is one of my favorite TV shows. I'm glad that's come into the conversation. They actually did do an installment about ghosts. And there's an experiment that they do where they summon a ghost. And one of the instructions in it is, the scientist places a candle on a map of Cornwall and begins his incantation. So it's that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Or like uh, an episode about music and they show a piano 
And then at the end of the regular 88 piano keys, there's this little box with a lid that's locked. And the scientist pulls out a key and unlocks the cover over those keys and takes it off. And there's like red and yellow keys down there past the end of the keyboard. He says, now we open the demon's box, also called the Bois Diabolique. This is the home of the forbidden notes. And then he starts playing the notes and it's like the, the video is silent, but the scientist's ears start bleeding. That's pretty funny. It's, it's, yeah, just the earnest presentation of this is real information, but they're just spewing nonsense. Also, this might just be 2021 talking. A lot of the presentation, I think you could comfortably call racist. Oh, yeah. There was a couple moments. Where, uh, I don't know, this is just kind of like the Ripley's Believe It or Not, uh, like early style anthropology presentation. We got a little bit of it in parody form, sort of in Beach Party, where it had that uh, anthropologist protagonist who's talking about like the rituals of the tribes when he's watching American teenagers. So there's, there's a clip of what looks like a corner in like New York City. And there are these African-American people dancing and it's just like a, a clearly a modern group of people, but he's talking about how they're taken over by a jungle rhythm as in the rituals of Haiti. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I don't know when this is from, but <laughs> I, I don't think it's, it's, it's clearly contemporary. Yeah. I noticed that one as well. Uh, that one, there were a couple of moments like that. There, it also did some stuff with the women too, like, being overcome with hysteria or something like that once or twice too. I was like, okay, I feel like you wouldn't say that the same way in 2021 if you were even going to include such a topic, but sure. yeah. But art is a product of its time. <laughs> of course. Another thing that it does, and I'm just, we're all over the place here, and I think that's the nature of the beast, but there were times where they just would have sentences or words where I was like, did they just say the thing that I thought that they said? And at one point, I think he says ghosts and scarecrows. <laughs> like what? No, scarecrows and magicians. Oh, okay, that's what he it was. says. Sometimes scarecrows and magicians ply their trade on this corner. And it's Is like, there another definition of scarecrow that I don't know? It's possible, but that does, that word doesn't fit in this. I, I wonder if here. he read sorcerer or something <laughs> and just it was like. Yeah. Uh, dyslexic moment we gotta do a, another take nah man he's doing great we gotta let's keep rolling scarecrow that could be a thing <laughs> another one he talks about how orson wells and hg wells collaborated on stories about aliens i think he said numerous stories yeah numerous stories and i mean hg wells wrote war of the worlds and then orson wells presented War of the Worlds on the radio, but they didn't collaborate. I, I don't know if their lifespans even overlapped. I don't think they did. I guess it's possible, but... Oh, I, I didn't even make the War of the Worlds connections. I thought it was just... He thought of Wells and said Wells twice, but... No, they, they that, are... That's the, they're okay. connected. There is that a must connection. That what but... he was going for, yeah. Okay. Okay, so... After a moment's research, H.G. Wells actually did live until 1946... He died at the age of 79, so he did overlap with Orson Welles. He could have been speaking with him and, and 
collaborating, but I don't <laughs> think they did. Also, I don't know if I brought this up in an earlier episode. I might have, I think. There was a point when I was talking with Dan about this, so I don't remember. Uh, eagle-eared listeners, tell me if I've brought this up in the show earlier. But if you look, there are actually sound recordings of H.G. Wells, which blew my mind. I didn't think he lived that recently. But like like television broadcast recordings from the 40s. And he has the weirdest voice. It's like, he sounds like Mickey Mouse. Just a super high-pitched voice that I never expected. I think, yeah, you might have mentioned that when we were talking about Orson Welles in the F for Fake episode. Okay, yeah, so but I do clearly something that, that has stuck in my mind. Yeah, one, one line he said late that made me laugh, oh, and you even have it in your notes here, is toward, as he's wrapping up, he, he basically, he's summarizing, he says... We have an astounding trove of documentary evidence of ghosts. And it's just been the biggest bullshit for 90 minutes that we've ever seen. And that caused me to laugh out loud. But was it or was it not an astounding collection? (laughs) I mean, are you astounded? I I suppose somebody could have been astounded by that. Yeah. We're experiencing sensations. So it's (laughs) it's sensational. And I don't really have too much more to throw at this one. <laughs> I mean, that's the film. Yeah. If we send you on your way, I hope you've uh, gotten your fill. If not, do track down this film. Track down its sibling projects, uh, World of Mystery, uh, Mysteries from the Bible, UFO Top Secret. They they tend to drift around YouTube. I don't know if other ones are up right now, but Amazing World of Ghosts certainly is. A couple, a couple other just random things that I noticed. It can't be overstated how illegible some of these photographs are, or e- even some of the film clips are are just as bad. Like it's blurry white lights, and he's describing it as like what we could spe- be seeing. The Loch Ness monster ones in Bigfoot one section, he's got like I actually believe somebody had a collection of these are photos purported to be Bigfoot. But it's just like a blurry white spot on something like, I don't know, maybe the film got burned by sunlight or something like that. But some of them, you just can't make any goddamn sense of it. And he's telling you exactly what you're seeing. I'm not seeing anything. I'm just seeing white light. He says the ghost is clearly visible in this (laughs) photo. And it's like a white streak, maybe at best. Sometimes you can't even tell. And there's this clip of him or someone, whoever had the camera, walking through columns in they're they're like um neoclassical or perhaps classical columns walking through them and light is shining directly towards the the camera so as you go past a column you can kind of see the column but then as you go past it again you see the sunlight hitting the lens directly which distorts it and blurs everything and it is kind of a cool effect like i can see why someone would be fascinated with it but First of all, it does it for like, I don't know how long it actually was, but it felt like six minutes the first time through. Just this column, sunlight blur column over and over again. And then it came back to it like four times throughout the film. I couldn't remember any other things being reused, but that clip was definitely reused. Yeah, they liked that one. Yeah. And the first scene that drags on the longest. Yeah, they're not even talking about ruins and stuff. They're like, and poltergeists plague 
Suburban households in America. <laughs> Every day. Okay. Blood drips from the ceiling. <laughs> I do genuinely like some of the space animations from the 70s. Just like the movement of planets and stars animated in this like oscilloscope pattern of waves going up and down and, and planets orbiting and like schematics of satellites and stuff. And usually whenever they're showing or talking about scientific like diagrams and experiments, we get this music that's like like somebody typing or, you know, just stereotypical. I am doing science. Yeah. And I genuinely like that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is, I actually like some of these clips or photos in isolation. I wanted to know more about what that thing was because I'm sure it actually has an interesting story. But if it does have an interesting story, this movie is not going to let us dig to the bottom of that story. It's going to be. And here we see what is sure to be and many would say is a ghost. Experts have said <laughs> this is a ghost. Do you is it something from the supernatural? Is it some phenomenon? And like, okay, maybe. Sure. Yeah, dude, I'm relying on you for the answers. <laughs> Why are you asking me? I'm coming to you to learn okay, from your yeah. documentary. Uh, this is a kind of a prelude, one of my last thoughts, maybe a lead into perhaps uh, an overarching review section from us, perhaps, unless you have other thoughts. But as we were watching, I was scrolling through reviews of this on Letterboxd, of which there are a few. And one that... I enjoyed as he said, this is less of a movie and more of a run on sentence. And that's kind of what it felt like. I will say having watched 90 minutes of this, I can see it being more appealing in a 10 minutes greatest hits version where you have some of the, the goofiest and more quote unquote sensational shit compiled together into a shortened package. Yeah, that's 10 minute compilation. I would probably give an eight to just because <laughs> It's like, what? I have to find this film. This, I got to show everybody I know. This is life changing. And the 90 minutes definitely dilutes it. <laughs> it's like, you know, dissolving a tablet in water. It's, you, you really gotta, you really gotta reach to even like distinguish that it's in there. <laughs> uh, a couple comments on the YouTube video trying to capture the style. One says, what are lumberjacks? Are they really beavers disguised as men? Are they controlled by the ghosts of aliens from Mexico? It's it's just things like that. Just constant questioning that doesn't really go anywhere. And a lot of cycling back on itself. Also, whoever wrote this really likes ectoplasm. This ectoplasm keeps coming up, which it's like whenever there is a something near the person's face, you can say... And you can see ectoplasm emerging from their orifices. I'll say one thing I remember being a kid and checking out these paranormal books from the library. There was one that really scared me that had some stuff in it about ectoplasm. Uh, but the section that disturbed me the most was spontaneous human combustion. And the idea that you could just be sitting somewhere and suddenly catch fire. And there was, I mean, there was pictures of like just a pile of ash with like a foot sticking out of it. And it was really weird. And it spooked me. Um, I don't really know my point here, but 
What was the example you just gave? Ectoplasm. Ectoplasm. That was in the book too. Some pictures was... with people having like tissue billowing out of their mouth. Not just hawk and loogies, but like something supernatural. Yeah, this mouth. is genuine. <laughs> One more line that uh, is like xenophobic at best. Uh, there was a shot of like Egyptians walking by the pyramid. And he talks about this as the land of sand and death. <laughs> oh, one other segment I have a note of here. He talked about the concept of automatic writing, where people put their hands down and the pen controls itself and writes something. And my thought was that would be the easiest goddamn thing to fake. You just like, oh, look, it's writing. Oh, what messages could it be revealing? As you're like writing whatever you want to write on this piece of paper. And it doesn't even show a video. This is another just a still picture of someone with a pen. <laughs> this like, is automatic writing. No, it's it's a dude or a lady holding a pen. That, that's what this is. <laughs> There's one of a, a skull resting on a table. And he says, sometimes this skull flies around and screams. <laughs> it's like, well, it's not doing that right now. In fact, it's not moving at all because this is a photograph and not a not a film clip. And that's Amazing World of Ghosts. So what I want to ask you, Dan, is, is Amazing World of Ghosts good? So, Brian, when we d talked about, as I was moving ahead, you just, you couldn't get it. You It just was tedious nonsense for five hours. And I felt a little bit bad inflicting it on you, but I also felt just a little mystified why you didn't, like, connect with it at all. Because to me, it was, like kind of moving and it it caused in me some sort of like hypnotic reaction and moments of it like were cinematic artistic alchemy that moved me to my core and there was just none of that this was just random bullshit go automatic spew the noise some guy having to improvise supernatural bullshit for an hour and a half if I had seen it in a 10 minute form, I might have found it like the randomness and goofiness of it to be kind of appealing. But in 90 minutes, it's it's just exhausting. And we were watching it on your TV. So like when I watch things on my computer, I can just jiggle the mouse and it'll show me like what the time thing is. But I didn't have that. So like it was we paused just a couple of times for bathroom breaks in this 90 minutes and it felt like Russian roulette. Like when we were doing it, like pause and be like, God, please let it be almost over. Please let it be almost over. And the first time we did it, I think it was 28 minutes in and I was like, kill me now. <laughs> this is a very not good for me. I'm giving this a one out of eight. I, I almost get up to the two out of eight out of like the random stuff that made me burst out laughing with how, ridiculous it was and how just bullshit like heightened self-parody of the the supernatural documentary form but it is not something that i would intend to revisit and i almost feel kind of bad now because i'm like how could i see this as that different from as i was walking ahead which i really liked and this one just did absolutely nothing for me are they really six rating points different apart but that's what my heart says, Brian. So what about you? What it is, is this good? Is this, is this something beyond what I saw? 
I'll say I came into this ready to offer up a complete flip-flop from the <laughs> As I Was Walking Ahead episode. Give this a seven exceptionally good. That's indefensible. I can't I can't really do that. Um, but I think there is a connection between the two movies in that it's an experimental, disconnected offering of clips paired with narration and music. And it's hard to parse. It's very meandering. But to me, this is if you inject genre into as I was moving ahead. If you try at least to make it spooky. Uh, I think ghosts is the magic element. And maybe already there is some nostalgia injected in my perception, even though this has not been in my life all that long. But... I give this one a six. <laughs> this is very good. I'm going to keep pointing people toward it. Um, it's drawn back, pulled back a little bit because it does drag. It's It drags a lot. <laughs> and if you're ever watching a movie in person with somebody and they're not into it, you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I've certainly experienced that showing, for instance, um, 5,000 Figures of Dr. T to people before who 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 just were not into it. This is not as good a movie as 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, but I did give that one an eight, so. <laughs> Here we are. Well, I hope I did not incite that feeling in you. I was having a good time with it, at least. Okay, good. Uh, they could certainly have winnowed it down, say perhaps to a 10-minute highlight reel. Oh, there you go. But I, I would recommend it. I'd say check it out. If you get your fill in 10 minutes, feel free to stop, but that is the world of ghosts and to me it is amazing or at least <laughs> six out of eight very good i almost wish you had given it the seven so you could have had the perfect mirror of <laughs> no i, I, I want to keep my perfect balance of like my ratings being just a hair lower than dan's that i be the more <laughs> cynical yeah. yeah yeah cool well that was something different for sure but it's in the halloween spirit because yeah. sydney paul tells us it is so do you have another offering for next week that keeps the spooky season rolling as we have a, a little bit of the tail end of the month left? I do. And I think this will be my last spooky pick. One thing I've learned since we started The Goods is that I really enjoy horror movies when they have strong elements of comedy or at least like a certain joyousness or, or energy to them that is comic in spirit. I had a lot of fun when we'd watch Return of the Living Dead. I really loved House. Um, Happy Death Day I really liked. Even Scream had a little bit of comic elements to it, although that one was generally more inclined to play it straight scary. I wanted a proper horror comedy, and I had it narrowed down to a few as of when we started recording, and, and I was leaning towards one until just a minute ago, Brian, when you mentioned something that genuinely frightened you when you were a kid and that was spontaneous combustions and uh do you know what movie i'm about to recommend is it called Firestarter? no okay it is a um a 2020 horror comedy called spontaneous and i don't know very much about it it's got teens in it and i know it deals with spontaneous combustion i think it's more of the exploding kind than the on fire kind but uh I think this will be a fun one to watch and discuss. So that's Spontaneous 2020. Well, I'm excited. <laughs> and sure enough, it was a spontaneous decision, it sounds like. So. There you go, yeah. 
I look forward to it. Stay tuned, listeners. And do we have anything to say before we part? Now that you've heard from us, we want to hear from you. Email us a review of Amazing World of Ghosts, should you subject yourself to the 90 minutes, or any film we've previously discussed on The Goods. Each week, we'll read one of your reviews on the podcast, and if we pick your review, we'll send you a $5 Amazon gift card, enough for a free movie rental. You can send your review to thegoodsfilmpodcast at gmail.com. That's thegoodsfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Brian, I don't think we had any submissions this week. Listeners, if you're out there, this is your chance to get almost guaranteed five free dollars on Amazon if you, you send it our way because that we have not had a lot of submissions. And so there's a decent chance yours would be picked if you send it in. But we look forward to hearing from you. And Brian, I look forward to next week discussing Spontaneous. Oh, yeah, it's always fun. I'm looking forward to it. And for reference, Firestarter was a spontaneous combustion movie from 1984. It stars Drew Barrymore. Ah, huh. interesting. Well, there you go. All right, Brian, this has been fun. Love watching a movie in person with you. Love talking in person. Uh, it adds an extra flavor to it. I don't know whether the listeners can pick up on that or not, but for me, it's always a good time. So thank you for, for hosting me and sharing this movie with me. Oh, yeah, we'll have to do it again soon. And join us for the next episode, everybody, here on The Goods. Thank you.